Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Cheers, Tim. Thank you, mate. Um, well, thank you. Thank you for your welcome. It's great, great to be here. Great to be able to um, share some stuff tonight with you. Um, yeah, I'm from the deep south, Burgess Hill, just north of Brighton. And um, it's been great. Like Tim said, bumped into Tim a few times at various events. And so, yeah, it really is a privilege for me to be able to share some stuff tonight. Although I feel a bit intimidated. You had Bones from Nairobi last week, who's just an incredible um, communicator. And then you've got Glenn Scrivener. I tell you, you've got to tune in and listen to Glenn. He is fantastic. So I feel a bit intimidated that I'm sandwiched between Bones and Glenn, if I'm honest. But um, hey, I'm a pastor. I'm a dad. Um, I've got four kids aged between 18 and um, seven. So life with homeschooling has been fun. And um, like Tim said, I'm a pastor down here in um, Burgess Hill. Been doing that for 11, 12 years. And um, Tim and I, we're part of this big global family of churches that stretches all around the world. So that's how I know Bones as well from Nairobi. And um, like Tim said, I've, I've got involved in some other um, nations, which has been just incredible privilege, really. Um, in fact, this morning at our online church service, um, we go out on the Sunday morning at 9.30. We did an interview with a guy from Kenya called Edward Berea, who um, kind of oversees about 300 churches. Um, in Kenya and I've been out there loads of times actually and was just chatting to Edward about what COVID-19 is like in Kenya and um, it's just been a nightmare for them. They've had drought and then floods and then swarms of locusts and now they've got COVID-19. He told me they had one swarm of locusts that was 60 miles long so I'm trying to get my head around that. So their challenges with COVID-19 are particularly challenging right now. We're trying to get behind them as a church and just partner with them a little bit. And um, I was just before lockdown, actually, in Brazil. Um, I'm kind of beginning to partner with some churches just outside Sao Paulo. And as you probably heard in the news, this COVID-19 thing's hit Brazil massively. And um, some small churches that we're working with there, just doing incredible things to feed their community. It's pretty humbling, really, to hear how churches are responding all around the place to what's going on with this global crisis. So it's exciting to be connected with churches in Manchester and Sao Paulo and Nairobi. And here I am in little old Burgess Hill in Sussex. Anyway, I want to ask you guys a question um, as we get going tonight. Um, and the question is this. When you think of Jesus, um, when I say that name to you, what image kind of comes into your head? Uh, what do you imagine that Jesus looks like? Just right now, while you sat there, just pause for a moment. What does Jesus look like to you? Throughout history, um, People have tried to imagine what Jesus looks like um, through art, through sculpture, through film, um, all kinds of different impressions, to be honest, from the kind of cliche Scandinavian Jesus with blonde hair and blue eyes, which is pretty unlikely for a man born in the Middle East, um, to kind of Jesus portrayed with like a glow around him, or maybe um, Jesus, I love the ones of Jesus laughing and smiling, there's beautiful paintings that kind of show the humanity of Christ. Or maybe loads of people have kind of made Jesus kind of in their own culture and context. And if you Google this on, on BBC News website, 
few years ago, some people actually did some research and like a Photoshop image of what they thought um, Jesus looked like. So what does Jesus look like to you? The Bible actually doesn't tell us much about his appearance at all. In fact, the closest that we kind of understand to knowing what Jesus looked like is the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. Um, 700 years before Jesus, we read this incredible description, this prophecy about him. And we read that he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Kind of suggests that Jesus was pretty ordinary looking. There's nothing to particularly mark him out from anyone else. Maybe when you think of um, Jesus, you think of like the baby in a manger, like a thousand Christmas cards, or um, maybe you think of him as a teacher sat on the hillside in Galilee, or um, maybe you have the image of Jesus on a cross, like countless kind of stained glass windows around the world. What do you think of when you think of Jesus? You know, the Bible actually only gives us one detailed description of what Jesus looks like. And it's a description of what he's like now, risen and ascended and sat at the right hand of his father. And it's amazing. And it was given um, to John, um, one of Jesus's disciples, one of Jesus' best friends, actually. He had this vision of Jesus and we read about it in the book of Revelation. And um, this book was written about 50 or 60 years after Jesus died and rose again. And I'm going to read this vision of Jesus that John has. And, and as you listen to these words that I'm going to read out from Revelation chapter 1. I want you to just imagine in your minds the picture that's being described for us. So I'm going to read from Revelation 1 verse 12. It says, I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. And when I saw him, John says, I fell at his feet as though dead. And then he placed his right hand on me and he said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead. And now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. And just these amazing words. So John had this vision. John, who is one of Jesus's disciples, um, he was getting on in his years. They reckon he was about 80 or 100 years old when he had this vision. And he was actually on a place called Patmos. He had been exiled as a criminal by the Roman Empire to this little rocky island um, called Patmos. And he was kind of there to serve out his sentence in pretty harsh conditions. He was pretty much in lockdown, actually, John. He was isolated on an island um, in a pretty barren place. And he was under massive pressure. In fact, the whole Christian church at this time was under massive pressure um, John was the only one of the 12 original disciples still living. All the rest of them would have been killed for their faith by now. And um, the church was facing massive challenges and it looked pretty fragile, though obviously we know it wasn't fragile. And it's in this context that John, in lockdown on Patmos, has this vision of Jesus. And it left him breathless, like in awe and wonder. It's an incredible thing because, like I said, Jesus, um, John was one of Jesus' best friends. John was the guy that Jesus spoke to at the cross and said, you 
Can you look after my mum? He probably was the guy who knew Jesus better than anyone else. Certainly at this point in human history, he would have known Jesus better than anyone. But when he has this vision of Jesus in all of his glory, he's like, it says he lay on the floor as if he was dead. He was so overwhelmed by what he saw. Maybe you've had one of those moments where you see something and it like it completely takes your breath away. It makes you feel completely small in comparison. You see something so big and so glorious. I can remember I'm being on a flight and um, it's a daytime flight and I was flying down and at a point we went over the Alps and I can remember um, I was walking around the plane, which I do quite a lot on, on flights, looking out the window at the back at the Alps, just kind of stretching out beyond me. You couldn't see the end of it. And I was just like in awe at the scale of this mountain range. And I took a phone, a photo on my phone and you know what it's like. They never appear any good on your phone. You look at it later, but there was just this sense of feeling so small because of what I could see in front of me. And we get that sense here with John, he's seeing something so glorious in this vision of Jesus that he just feels like, oh, I'm nothing in comparison. And he lays down before him. And what John saw that day, we're just gonna look at what he saw, encouraged him to keep going, even though he's facing massive pressure and challenge. And it's encouraged every generation of Christians ever since when they face challenges to keep going, keep going. It, we read that he saw someone like a son of man. Now, if you want to dig into this a little bit more later, um, have a look at the Old Testament in your Bibles. Have a look at Daniel, specifically chapters 7 and 10, because Daniel also had a vision of one who's like a son of man. So hundreds of years before Jesus lived, hundreds of years before John had this vision, Daniel had a vision of one who is like the son of man, who was given authority and glory and power. And in Daniel 7, it tells us that all nations and every people group would bow down and worship him and that this son of man would have a kingdom that would never be destroyed. So Daniel has this prophetic picture of a king like the son of man who'd rule with authority and to whom all nations would bow. Now John sees this vision himself and he knows this is the son of man that Daniel was talking about. It's all about Jesus because everything in the Bible is about Jesus. And this man that John saw, he was dressed in a robe that reached down to his feet. He had a golden sash around his chest. Hair on his head was white as snow, eyes blazing like fire. Just try and imagine that. This clothing symbolizes like royalty and priesthood. Jesus is the ultimate priest. He's the ultimate king. Eyes blazing like fire kind of speak of the fact that he sees everything with insight and wisdom and his feet are like glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Like I said, just before lockdown, I was in Brazil, and um, just outside Sao Paulo, I was visiting a, a church in a place called Piracicaba, which is a, they called it a small city in the countryside, but it's 600,000 people live in Piracicaba. And in the middle of this city is this huge river. I mean, it's fast, and it's deep, and it's wide. And at one point, this river cascades down over all these rocks. And um, we went, I was there with a the pastor, we went and stood by the viewing platform, by this kind of rock formation with all this water cascading over. And I couldn't hear what the guy was saying to me because the noise of the water was so thunderous. It was so loud. It was like roaring and powerful. And John says, this is what Jesus' voice is like. It's like the sound of rushing waters. 
And in his hand, it says he holds seven stars and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. We know elsewhere in the Bible that the word of God is described as living and active like a double-edged sword. Jesus's words carry authority and they carry power and they're full of truth and they're full of justice because he is truth and everything he says is true, even when we don't like it or agree with it. And Jesus's face was shining like a sun in all of its brilliance, which doesn't kind of make sense. He says, I saw his face and it was like the sun in all of its brilliance. Well, we know you can't look at the sun in all of its brilliance because it hurts our eyes. So John sees this vision of something so bright and so powerful that it's like looking at the noonday sun. This is Jesus. This is who Jesus, John saw. This is who is on the throne of heaven right now. This is who we pray to. This is who we sing songs to. This is the one like Old Testament prophets like Daniel looked to. This is who is interceding for us right now. This is the Jesus that we worship. He's not, he's not a Christmas card watercolor. He's not a wooden statue. He's our living, breathing, glorious, powerful, mighty king. And when John saw him, remember John was one of his best friends. When he saw him, he, he said, I just fell at his feet as though dead. I'm not, I'm not surprised. I mean, what he saw was just amazing, wasn't it? Just awesome. He was suddenly aware of his own smallness in comparison to the glory of Jesus. So let me go back to my first question. When you imagine Jesus, what does he look like? What do you see? John in lockdown as a prisoner was given this vision of Jesus that helped him to see that whatever was going on in the world and whatever was going on in his life, the Jesus that he followed and worshipped was bigger than all of it. And the church of the first century were given this vision. They were under persecution and pressure. They were given this vision, not of a baby in a manger, not of a carpenter on a hillside, not of a suffering servant on a cross, but of an incredible glorious king who had power and authority. You know, I'm so grateful for this vision of Revelation chapter 1. Every time I read it, I'm reminded that Jesus is far greater than I realize and far more glorious than I think he is. But what happened? John, understandably, lays out before Jesus as though dead. But then Jesus comes to him, places his right hand on him and says, John, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead. And now look, I'm alive forever and ever. Wow. This glorious king comes near to us, places his hand on us and says, you don't need to be afraid. I've got this. I'm in control. I'm the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Nothing happens without me knowing about it. Human kingdoms, institutions, rulers, governments, I'll come and go, but I'm going to be alive forever. Yeah, I was dead, but look at me now. I'm alive. I'm glorious. I'm the king. I even conquered death. I've got this. I'm in control. If you're with me, you do not need to fear. And know it's exactly what John needed to know. And it was exactly what the first century church needed to know. And it's exactly what we need to know, guys. There's a king. He is glorious. His name is Jesus. He's got this. He's in charge. Now, a few weeks ago, I got an um, upgrade on my mobile phone. And I was talking um, with the salesperson on the phone. And they're trying to obviously persuade me what deal I wanted. And they're offering different perks to stay with them. And one of the perks was um, I could get the Disney Plus channel. Um, for six months for free. And I thought, 
yeah, keen to kind of catch up on my high school musical back catalogue. Um, so I went for Disney Plus, primarily actually because I've got four kids and I thought they might like some of the movies. Um, and the Chronicle of Narnia movies are on it. So Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe and Prince Caspian. So we watched those movies as a family. My boys are seven and 10. It was the first time they'd seen them. And um, of course, in the Chronicles of Narnia, the hero is Aslan, the great lion. C.S. Lewis, who um, wrote the books, he was a Christian. And um, because every good story is ultimately about Jesus, this good story is also about Jesus. Aslan, the good and the fierce lion. And there's moments in these movies where Aslan roars. And when he roars, everyone stops. His roar is kind of like the sound of rushing waters. And um, whether you're a friend or whether you're a foe, um, everyone stops in awe when they hear Aslan roar. Ordinarily, you should be petrified of Aslan. And Aslan's enemies were petrified of him. But if you knew Aslan, um, if you knew him, you knew that he was gentle and kind as well as awesome. And you could approach him and you, he would listen to you. And that if you were with Aslan, there's no need to be afraid. What was C.S. Lewis doing? He was pointing us to Jesus, the glorious king, whose voice roars like waters, whose eyes blaze like fire, who is imposing and strong and mighty and awesome. And yet the one who comes near to us and says, I've got this. You don't need to be afraid. I've conquered death. I'm alive and I will be forever and ever. Listen, I want to encourage you guys today. Don't have a small vision of Jesus. He's more glorious than we think he is. He holds the keys of life and death. He's the first and the last. He's light and he is truth. John got back up off the floor with like fresh confidence that God's kingdom was going to overcome every obstacle and every setback. In one sense, nothing had changed for John. He was still in Patmos. He was still a criminal. He was still in lockdown. Um, so nothing changed in his circumstances. But in another more important way, everything had changed because he'd seen Jesus. Now, sometimes we want our circumstances to change. And I get that because you know, people go through horrific stuff. In this season, people have gone through horrendous trials and difficulties. That's happening right now. It might be happening for you right now. But what John needed more than anything else was to see Jesus in all of his glory and all of his majesty in the midst of his circumstance to know the one that comes close and says, I've got this. Don't be afraid. Maybe that's what some of you guys need to know. You need to know him in your circumstance right now. You need to see who Jesus is in all of his glory and in all of his tenderness. Now, one author wrote a book about Revelation. and He said this, this book, Revelation, provides us with an anchor in a storm. It's like sunshine in the gloom. It grounds us on solid rock while everything else trembles and falls. In a minute, I'm going to finish. I'm just going to pray for anyone that needs to know sunshine in the gloom, that needs to know this solid rock while everything else trembles and falls. So I'll go back to that first question one more time. When you think of Jesus, what do you think of? Don't have a small vision of Jesus because that won't sustain you in, in challenging times and we're living in them at the moment. Um, know the risen, glorious, powerful authority of Jesus. Knowing Jesus as a baby and knowing Jesus as the man and knowing Jesus as the teacher and the miracle worker and knowing Jesus as a sacrificial servant laying down his life on a cross, all of this is so important. But I want to suggest that unless we also know Jesus 
as the Jesus that John saw in Revelation 1. We won't get a sense of the fullness of who he is. And my prayer today is that you may know Jesus in all of his power and his tenderness, in all of his truth and all of his glory, in all of his holiness and in all of his nearness. So listen, I'm going to pray. And um, if you're watching this, if you're live now or catching up later and you want to find out more about Jesus, um, he's amazing. He changed my life. Um, chat with these guys here. They're a good church. Chat with Tim. Find out more. They would love to talk to you about this Jesus I've been talking about. Um, the one who says, don't be afraid. I've got this. I'm the living one. I was dead and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. Have a chat with these guys. I'd love to tell you more, but let me pray. Let me just pray now. Jesus, I thank you that you're glorious. I thank you that you rose again. I thank you that your voice is like the sound of rushing waters, carries power and authority. Thank you, you're so glorious. I can't even look at you, John said, because your face is shining like the noonday sun. And yet you're the one that comes near to us and says, do not be afraid. I've got this. I'm in control. I'm the first and the last. I was dead, but now I'll be alive forevermore. Thank you because you are alive. We can know you right now. We can know the Prince of Peace in a pretty chaotic world. We can know the King of Kings when we're unsure where to turn. We can know the one that says, don't be afraid whenever we feel fearful. Jesus, it's amazing to know you. And I pray for every person watching this, even now as I pray, that they may have a greater sense of your nearness to them in your wonderful name. Amen.